Twist Lee, I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Luke Rickardson, a former Sydney Rooster, Craig Hodges would love that, uh, New South Wales State of Origin and Australian Rugby League player. He played 301 first grade games for the Roosters, 10 State of Origins and 6 tests for Australia. Post career, he's found the Rickardson Insurance Company um, and is a board member on the, at the Roosters. He's a keen golfer and loves his races. Welcome, Luke. Thank you very much. Do I have to wear this? <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. Put it on your head, mate. Yeah, beautiful. Head on. And Georgie Gregan, a former Brumby and captain of the Australian Rugby Union team. Uh, he played 136 first-class matches for the Brumbies. He represented Australia on 139 occasions in four World Cups. I only did two myself personally, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, he's the highest-capped player ever uh, for the Wallabies. So, but post-career, he's been involved in hospitality, the GG cafes. We've all probably bought coffee from there at some stage. And has a fitness uh, equipment company called PTP. Um, he's also a very, very good mate of mine. Not that Luke isn't. Um, <laughs> he's a keen golfer and a cricket tragic. Welcome, Georgie. Thank you, Shana. I'm pretty excited. First thing I want to say, we've got two guys, the whole crew at the Brumbies, whole crew at the Roosters. Luke, being a one-club player, very special. Yeah, it is. Um, I probably didn't get the offers to go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept saying yes. Um, Look, no, um, yeah, I mean, obviously post-career, you sit back and um, at the end of everything, you're probably left with memories. That's the main thing. And, um, oh, a couple of big houses, George. But... um, (laughs) But, yeah, to be able to be at that club for that period of time. And, look, I think um, the great thing about the Roosters and where I uh, finished up, um, you know, I got a position on the board. Yes. So that was right. um, probably a bit of a gift for being loyal to the club no, we, for a we period of time. We saw your helicopter flying from Bondi <laughs> today to land. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a love job. But, um, <laughs> or brown paper bag, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, look, I think there's uh, a lot to give back when you sort of uh, play for that one club for that period of time. And... Um, so, yeah, I didn't jump around and do, you know, a hundred different sort of things, so it was good. And what does that mean to you, George? Like, the Brumbies, one club player. I remember you, you telling a story years ago, um, a certain coach who went on to play, who, I think he played with him in Australia, was at Randwick and was trying to get you to come to Randwick and you wouldn't do it. You said, I want to be a one club player. Yeah. Um, must be very proud of that too. Yeah, really, particularly from a Canberra perspective, obviously it's never really going to change. The big, the big sort of rugby... Um, Playgrounds in Australia is it's obviously New South Wales, it's Queensland. And so in Canberra at that time, there was a good nursery. When I was breaking through in sort of that under 19, under 21 age bracket, where you, you might get a chance, we were looking forward to the guys who came from Canberra. It's like the Brad Gervins, it's the Paul Cornish, it's the Jeff Didiers. They were sort of like the, the outliers who actually represented the Wallabies. They weren't always starting players in test matches, but I went on tours. And Mark McGuinness, who's my number eight at my local club, and they, they did it from Canberra. And then it's just sort of, I guess it's that sliding door moment with rugby. It went professional after um, Rugby World Cup 95, ACT, which was over that f- probably two or three years, um, the Kookaburras was a local rep team. I was making some of that, that senior team. We were knocking off some of those touring teams. So we actually had a good nucleus of really good local talent. You're talking about Steve Larkins, Joe Roths, Matt O'Connor, Rodney Kafer. Um, and it was actually a really interesting time. And then 
we had the chance to play Super Rugby, and it was like, well, let's represent Canberra. And it's like, you know, we used to play a bit of cricket against Sergi we'll, or we'll, Illawarra. We'll get, we'll get that we'll later, get yeah, yeah. But it'd be like if Illawarra was saying, well, now you introduce the Shield, you don't have to come to New South Wales. And yeah. you're gonna rep- it's, well, hang on, this is my home, home Same ground. Same tolls. I've got all my yeah. mates here. I've, I've played all my time here. Um, what an opportunity. I can play anywhere in the world. I can stay at home and represent it. So that was was really cool about it. We went on a, a really good run over a period of time. So happy to say that um, you're one club player. So, so when I when I introduced you as a um, former Australian captain, most cap player, how, how does that sit with you personally? Does it make you proud? How, how do you feel? Yeah, well, do you do feel proud? Like, I think you start. It'll be interesting. I'm not sure we'll bounce this around today. You don't go out with that intention. You just go out there to play mm. the game and you just love it. And then you're in a position, I guess, as a halfback. Often there's these, we'll probably get into this a little bit, going through the different positions in rugby. Most number nines, gobby midgets, is what some they come around when they go around the table. So I'll probably fit into that category, of gobby midget. And so you, you actually, you're always in the thick of it because you're directing, you're barking at your eight guys and it's their fault if you get, if you get sure. tackled. So it's, it's yeah. always a blame game kind of thing as a halfback. That's all part of it. And then you pat them on the back and all that kind of thing. And then you're communicating nicely with your, your halfback. So you're in the thick of it. So that whole leadership, you kind of, you're always doing that. So um, to be put in uh, the biggest role which is captain yeah. of the Wallabies was just awesome. But I had, I had a pretty good apprenticeship under a bloke called John Eels who was an incredible leader as well. So when answering your question, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where you don't think about it as something that you, you expected to achieve. But when you, when you reflect, you go, no, it was, it was amazing. I was lucky to, to look after the Wallaby team for a period of time. It's a good point on John Eels. If anyone's ever having trouble sleeping, have lunch with John Eels. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, now, Rico, 301 games for the Roosters. Can I just say, um, yeah. <laughs> I was a shit captain. Were you? I, Why? I, I, got, I got given the role um, after Freddie had it for uh, about four years at the Roosters. Longer than that, five years at the Roosters. Big shoes. And then, um, yeah, I got it in 2005. We missed the finals. Um, <laughs> I just enjoyed a good time too much. I didn't sort of understand the process of... Uh, having to reel the boys in as much, and uh, I was out leading the drinks and all that sure. sort of stuff. Uh, and the show, so, geez, you were good um, So yeah, uh, we, we missed the finals that year um, and got told to sort of uh, retire basically on my captaincy. Yeah. Well, well just on that, and um, I'm going off script now, but um, I always do my research for any show, and um, I always have like a junior reporter. This one was Corey Pearson, the former oh, uh, rugby uh, rugby league front rower. And George is getting nervous now, but it's not about you, George. But he said, Rico, he said, please mention to Rico, Rico had a better strike rate back in the single days on the circuit than he did on the, on the yeah, ground. Yeah, righty yeah. um, <laughs> in, in fact, walking up these stairs here brought back some really good memories. Really good memories. But I want to ask you, Rico, about um, um, 301 games at the Roosters. Your, your dad was a rooster too. Um, he passed away a few years ago, mate. So sorry to hear that. But um, that must have been special. So, so rugby league was always... In your family, it was always was it something you were always going to do? Like, well, no, it was what interesting. Was that like? um, sort of grew up in the uh, eastern suburbs, and Dad obviously had a history playing with uh, mm. the Roosters for that period of time. Um, I went to uh, uh, Waverley College, uh, Long Bay's Feeding School. Yes, um, <laughs> through that period, and um, you know, rugby was my thing. Right, I went, I went to school with Owen Finnegan and. Um, and Troy, Troy Jarks and a few of those boys. And we had a really good year of rugby, and I, I loved it. Right, and. Um, um, it's actually funny looking back on it because, you know, they would actually pause uh, your schoolboy rugby to watch these blokes play a Bledisloe at 2 mm. o'clock on a Saturday and Matt would be first bloke there in front of it. So, um, yeah, I had a really good time through that. And then, um, 
yeah, got the opportunity uh, for love, not money, right? So um, <laughs> uh, my first contract, the Roosters, was uh, was was two thousand dollars. Wow, okay. second year five thousand dollars, but it was comes uh, came with a um, an education. They said Australian College of Phys Ed, and that was um, it was about twenty grand, yeah, it was sixty grand all up sort of thing to do that. Okay. So I broke into first grade the first year, and I thought I'd defer my uh, education and uh, and take the sixty grand instead. <laughs> which, which 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 I will tell a story, and I I I, I um, never forget getting the phone call from Nick Politis. He said, um, Luke, you're broken into first grade. Fantastic. He said, What are you doing with this? study stuff and I said I'm not you know it's probably not for me um and he said well you better come and see me at City Ford so I went into City Ford down the road there um I was in the Ford Falcon picked up the Ford Falcon and uh it wasn't a boot well (laughs) (laughs) it was about what was going in the boot um and no word of a lie there was that conversation he said well you know um there's your two years of education and uh, off you go. go. So it was good. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so I decided to defer. But um, yeah, so we, uh, yeah, that was the first contract, $2,000 and $5,000, but we've made up for it later on. Well, you've got, de- <laughs> you've got a degree in marriage now, so you've Thank done you. well. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't passed that yet, so yeah. <laughs> John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. The Osher Group, our motto is winning connections. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group where a new world of excitement awaits. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach. There is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. So come find us online at www.theoshergroup.com. The Osher Group, our motto is winning connections. Now, I want to ask you, George, now, so I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about, I've got three kids, now you've got, we've all got kids here, and um, where, where sport's going, and a lot of kids now are, and you, you're into PTP Fitness, and um, a lot of kids are doing this online gaming, they're spending a lot of time in front of screens. It's a real issue, and we're seeing mental health of kids, um, even though kids are taking less and less drugs and alcohol, their depression is actually going up, and they reckon there's a direct correlation between the thing they get from a screen as opposed to certain drugs, right? Do you worry about our kids and not being physical enough? Yeah, big time. I reckon everyone did a fair bit of Netflix over the last couple of years with COVID, but there was that one called Social Dilemma, Mm. and it's basically... But pretty much tell you what the secret source is. They want people addicted to their phones, yep, yep. and and what that does to you, it's 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 not good. It's an addiction. So you actually 
you know, you've got to you've got to move with the times. I think technology has its time and place, and it's really important. It does make your life easier, and at times it makes it more complicated as well. But we were meant to move. I've become I'm the mm. African bushman. I can say this. You can. Like it's a political. That's all right. You can. I can't. <laughs> you could say. Don't yeah. that. But seriously, we, we were designed to be out and about having a panoramic vision, making some decisions, make sure we don't get eaten by a lion or something which is going to come out and get us and then all that kind of thing. But be aware, head up yep. and just see your surroundings, fight or flight. You don't have to be in that nervous state the whole time. But if you've got to move, you've got to move, but you, you're aware. But if your head's down and you're, you're actually physically not where you're meant to be, like we evolved, I sound like a freaking lecturer here, but like we evolved from being on four legs to two legs so we didn't get eaten. So it's almost like by doing this, we're almost going back to how we tried to right. sort of escape. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in making sure your kids, hey, be tech savvy, understand, be up to speed with where you are, but don't forget we're meant to move. We're meant to have our head up yeah. and just take in the surroundings. There's so much learning. And then you meet people. We're, a face to, we're designed to talk to people. We're designed to do this. Yeah. And the technology has been very helpful at times. But, yeah. It's a real issue. And, Rick, I want to ask you about the 2002, the Roosters... Uh, hadn't won a premiership for 27 years. You guys have just had your 20-year um, anniversary of the Warriors win uh, the other day. I'll ask you some about what went on on those social can't, things. Can't remember. Can't remember yet. <laughs> but, um, but at that time, uh, I think I remember you reading about you saying that um, they'd always talked about the Roosters and the 75 team. And it was like the, the, in awe, but like you guys had to make your own history. Well, what, what was the big difference from... Those teams that failed from that 27 years to that 2002 where you made the jump? Cash? No. Um, <laughs> look, I, it, it was a... Um, Let's get the boot open. <laughs> We're on SUV now. Yeah. Much easier these days when it's automated, yeah. Get the boot open. Um, but, um, look, it was funny, right? So obviously being um, at the Roosters through that sort of a, uh, 90s period, um, look, it was just bad recruitment, um, you know, we tried a lot of different things, but we just weren't, we're off the pace a lot. And um, I never forget going to every function and there'd just be this replay of the 1975 grand final over and over and over and just go, oh, can't watch this again. Um, and then in 2000, we made the, made, made the uh, GF. Yeah, we played against the Broncos that day. Um, but we had a ticket tape parade on the Thursday before the grand final on the Sunday. That's the first Because it was exciting, there. right? Yeah. It was like, fuck, you know, we're in this grand final. And then... Um, Played okay, obviously got beaten on the day, but it was this taste, um, but not only from a playing perspective, but also I think the guys behind, yeah, from a board perspective also said we want to come back and do this more often. And um, and so for us, obviously, winning the grand final in 2002, um, it just spurred on the club to say, well, we don't want to go backwards, we want to enjoy this period. And, um, and you know, it's safe to say, I think we're part of that initial uh, jolt that now that we're sort of there, up there every year in the moment, so it's been a really good run. But on that, like I love my rugby league. I remember catching up with you guys during that period at different times. But I remember like the things which moments which stand out. I remember when Freddie got bashed in that yeah. grand final, and Holy. I think the whole team took that personally. And it was like, hang on a minute, he, he came back, he got stitched up, and then you, you just all went to another level. And it was like, we're yeah. going to win this thing, and it's like. Like he, he's he's one of those special players and he's a special leader. But you could just see that whole team. I remember that moment like yesterday, and it was like, no, no, you're not doing that to Freddie, and we're going to win this. Mm. 
Well, it was, a, it, was a, it was a funny time because we had, um, and you know Ricky Stewart pretty well, right? So <laughs> that's when he had the, that's when he had the, the, the tie down here. He yeah. was down the sidelines, spitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There a few times as well. But you forget, like, you know, Sticky come on board, he was 35 years of age, and he sort of um, came out from, um, so he coached the Canterbury uh, under-21s, and they got him to a grand final. I don't know if he won it or not, he got to a grand final. But, um, but he put his hand up and said, I'll, uh, I want to I I be a first-grade coach, interviewed, and got the gig at 35, right? He's a few years out of playing. Um, so he come on board and said, right, this is what I know and feel about you rooster blokes, your cafe latte, your soft and all that sort of stuff. Tick, 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 yep. Yep. <laughs> he was pretty right. And, um, at that point. At that point. Yes. But then he went, nah, we're going out to Kernel Sandhills, we're going to flog the shit out of you. And we, he actually, um, you know, out of a squad of 30, I reckon sort of we left with 20 because 10 blokes basically hands up and couldn't sort of go with, with Ricky's mentality. And... Um, yeah, we were lucky through that period that uh, we had a lot of senior blokes that could cop Ricky's sprays and spit and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we just brought those young kids through and it was, um, it was the way that we approached it, right? So it was like, um, um, you know, if you attack one of our blokes, he wanted us to throw punches and that was the whole process. It was like sitting on a, on a, on a Tuesday morning uh, video session and if someone didn't react to something, you'd be outed in a, in a video session. So I know we don't condone violence, but he was, no, we do it, right? We, we, we get into it. So that particular incident was like, um, it was a wake-up call we needed. We were a bit shocked through that first half and then uh, Villa Sandy ripped in to Freddie and Moz just went, we're not having this, mate, it's game on. And that's the thing, I, I won't put you on the spot, but for me, like Ricky Stewart, I, I always find it tough when the coach is talking more than the team and it's always, always about Ricky and... Do you think he's a good coach? Because I, 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 he's, 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 mate, he's got almost Who, as many wooden uh, uh, spoons as Martha Stewart. Like, <laughs> no, look, I, um, I look, I loved Ricky through that period, and I'm still really close to Ricky Stewart through um, through my time. He told me that I probably should retire really early, but that's another story. Um, but he, uh, he's just a fierce competitor. I think if you look at Ricky, Ricky. He's probably got the combination of he's got small mans, he's aggressive, he's jealous. He's got all those things wrapped up in one bloke that will just get get the best out of what he can potentially do. And look, I... I um, but that's as a player. Yeah, I but, but, I, but I look at coaching now and, like, um, you know, now they identify from a senior group, guys, you know, you shouldn't train these next three or four days, um, you know, just get on the rower or, you know, we nurse you through a season. Where Ricky was, like, fucking on the line Monday morning... Embarking at our senior blokes to go harder than the, the kids kind of thing. That was his mentality about pushing you hard. Um, so I look at his coaching now and I think probably he burns a lot of players out. That's the way I look at the way he goes about but it. But you guys didn't burn out. Like you're back. I remember that period. Like you just all played 80. Is this a, tell me if this is a bit no, of a... No, no, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Back-to-back beeps when then you go and have four beers, let's go and have a lunch and then I want you to hit that 14 mark. Yeah, again. do that. Well, that's just crazy <laughs> shit, right? But, um, but I look back at that period, right? And we hit us up for, for three years. So we made the grand final next year beaten by the Panthers that was the one that really hurt for me because I thought that we should have won that grand final but if I go back through that day we were just flat we were just literally running on zero at that period of time and we probably didn't um, you know prepare you know physically for that we flogged us during that week (laughs) we all come out there and we fell over we did it next year as well so we basically had us so high and up for that period of time but we failed both those days because I just think we didn't have the energy in the back end Yeah, talk about energy um We've got a really good sponsor here, the Osher Group. And uh, for those who 
ever want to invest in horses or, or racing themselves, don't go in blind. Speak to the guys at the Oscar Group and I'll make sure that you're going to put some money and you get, you, potentially you get a really good return. But I thought to myself, my brother Brett Lee is a famous dog called Brett Lee. And I always wanted a, a horse named after myself, Shane Lee. And I thought, what would the Oscar Group look at, requirements-wise, for a Shane Lee horse? And I thought, well, it's got to be, it's a bit old. It's probably a six, seven-year-old now and probably got one or two more runs in him. But he just wants to go straight to start and start doing a bit of pumping, right? <laughs> and I thought, what about a Luke Rickardson? It would have to be a big, strong grey that's committed, it's always there. <laughs> it would parade well. <laughs> but it would always be there at the end of the day. And I thought... Might, might perform all the time, yeah, though. That's right. <laughs> well, and also, if there's... So yeah, you and I will be both going out to start, but you'll be in a different paddock to me, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, and then a George Gregan. What would a George Gregan horse look like? Well, it would be... It'd be a cold. You know? it'd, it'd be a cold. It'd, 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 be, it'd be lithe. It'd, it'd be whippy. It'd probably have a greyhound body with a horse's cock. <laughs> I didn't say glass. If you join this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I spoke to cricketer Ed Cowan and Guy Sebastian, all things music, cricket, and sport. George, I want to ask you, you, know, um, you and I met back way in the day when you were playing cricket. You were, you were, the, uh, you were the Viv Richards of Canberra. Um, you were the Viv Richards without the pull shot and the cover drive. <laughs> without the ability to get off the square. But I remember playing against George and um, it, it was some really, really good memories. We've been mates ever since, under 17s. I was the opening bowler and you were the opening batsman. We couldn't get him out. Uh, I think we bowled. I say we, I bowled the ACC out for about 100. <laughs> I took seven wickets, but I couldn't get George out. He was, he was 19 not out of about 180 balls. And, um, but he was so determined. But you, you love your cricket in particular. And, but Viv Richards was a big influence for your sporting career, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I think that whole era, yeah. cricket in general, like you talk about Viv, at the same time you're talking about it's, it's DK Lilly, it's yeah. Rod Marsh, like rest yeah. in peace, the yes. great man. Um, I'm sure you can talk about Rod Marsh and, and the impact mm. that he has on Australian cricket, which I don't think there's probably enough attention that's well, been put into that. Just look, Rod Marsh, what, the impact that he had on you. To tell that story, yeah. that, that's a cracking yeah, story. Yeah, we about spoke about that, didn't we? we yeah, about four in a row. And, um, so we were obviously playing you know, sort of rep cricket against each other, 17s and 19s. I think under 19s, you sort of, the aim then... And I'm, I'm pretty sure it'd be the same. You're trying to make the Aussie nines, but you're trying to get into the AIS Academy. Yep. And Rod Marsh ran the AIS Academy, and like that's a, you know, they, they didn't take on Shane Warne at that stage. He's a bit mm. too much for a rebel. But they had all these young cricketers, Damien Martins. You're talking about Justin Langers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They all went through it. Gilly, Adam Gilchrist, and they all went under the tutelage of Rod Marsh. I think that I mean, every time you see that underarm um, situation. And he's, and he's doing that. And he's going, no, yeah. like, that's, that's shit, you know, that's not cricket. He played hard but fair cricket. and he that's did. And that's how he coached too. Yeah. And you could see that all these young players, he actually gave them a, a, a glimpse into what it would be to be a test cricketer. And he had to work hard, but, you know, you can tell the story about the bowling machines, etc. But you heard all these f- just fabulous stories about being coached by Rod Marsh. And so that was my goal. And you know, I was playing senior cricket at ACTs before this under-19s carnival, which was always around January, wasn't it? And so I played against Gilly and all these guys who were just next level, Cheeks and all those guys. And he said, mate, I'd really like to coach you, George. He says, you're a batsman. I've seen you play some senior cricket. He says, you've got to go over to Perth and you've got to get runs. You're a batsman. Batsmen need runs. Then I might, then I might coach you. So I proceed. I think, oh, because he, he sees me. He knows. Gosh, yeah. Rod Marsh has got me. He's, like, he's come over and made that conversation. 
I proceed to go there January, I'm ready to go, boiled the bat, linseed oil, ready to go, thinking it's really good, I'm going to stay there all day, make 20 runs, <laughs> get the strike rate, but they're not going to get me out. I proceed to make about 90 runs over about six games, of which 50 of those came against Northern Territory. <laughs> so I guess my cricket injury was gone, but the following year I played cricket um, for ACT again, but I also got the rugby scholarship in Canberra, which was fantastic. Yeah. But he sees me and he goes, George, he says, I told you I wanted to, I'd love to have coached in cricket and you're a batsman. He says, you're still playing cricket. I've heard you've got a scholarship in rugby. He says, I know you can play cricket. I said, but I know you could go further in rugby if you have a real crack at this scholarship, which you didn't get through cricket. So, mate, you, if, if you're playing cricket, I'd have told you the same thing. Fork in the road. He said, concentrate on your rugby and let's see how you go. And mate, how, how did you take that? So, see, so you, you got a guy you looked up to and you couldn't believe that he was talking to you, that he actually knew who you were. He was giving you advice. But then he said, mate, and effectively he's saying, maybe go yeah. rugby probably for you. How, how did you take that? Was it? Well, it was actually good. Like, it's yeah. actually, because first of all, it's the same sort of situation as before. I would have told you that two years ago. <laughs> 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 but you were the Rob Marsh, mate. You just an opening bowler, couldn't get me out. And, <laughs> but he, he took the time out. That's what he, he yeah. really cared. You could see he cared for the individual. He wasn't coaching me. I wasn't even good enough to make their AOS, but he cared. And you could see that. And I was like, no, what? That's true. I would have had to make that decision. And that just made it easier. So actually, the linseed oil, the bat, went yep. into the old man's shed, never saw it again, and I just try to focus on the rugby. Uh, he's a great man, Roddy Weir Marsh, uh, rest in peace. Um, Luke, um, life after sport, mate. You've got the Rickardson Insurance business. Talk, talk us about yeah. that. Tell us about that. Yeah, What's happening good. there? Um, yes, yeah, really bad cash flow, just paying <laughs> bills. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, no, I uh, worked in, uh, as an insurance broker for uh, for, for a mid-sized uh, company for about 10 years, and then um, they recently sold and has fork in the road of where yeah. I'm going to go and what I'm going to do, and I thought, no, I'll do my own business. So um, I'm backed by a bigger group, put Insurance Advisor Net, so um, we've got all the platforms and the back-end staff and employed uh, a really good broker, and we're, uh, we're off and running. So we've been sort of uh, going for about four or five months now. It's going, it's going great. And. I'll ask you both the question. It's really, really tough. And I'm seeing it more and more. It, it, interesting conversation we're having just before lunch and where the women are now. And women's sport is coming on leaps and bounds and, and, and they're starting to get paid, which is fantastic. But they're almost back where a lot of us were when we started playing professional cricket back in the early 90s. It was semi-professional and you're getting paid a bit, but not enough. But you had to work full time. But you, weren't, you couldn't work full time because you had to try and commit to your sport. Um, but... Balance after sport, you guys have both been able to do that, but a lot of players can't. And um, but what's the key there? Do you, do you 100% commit to your sport and just hope it works out, plan A, or do you need a plan B? Yeah, I think, I, I think rugby's different than rugby league, <laughs> just quietly, because uh, you, you, they would promote you to have a plan B, don't you? In, in league, they don't, really. Yeah, well, rugby was always... It came, yeah. well, particularly when I was... I sort of, sort of, Boarded that sort of semi-amateur going into professionals right in the sweet spot for me. So you, I was studying like <laughs> that education. What did you study? PE, same as him, but, but I, I studied the PE and and um, <laughs> I took it on. But in my last year, I sort of that's when you broke into the Wallabies. But you actually were encouraged. Okay, this will not go on forever. So you're thinking yeah. you kind of you, you need you need a backup. But also, I think throughout when rugby went professional, it was a really great time for us. But you're thinking about what like, it could have. You didn't want to be fatalistic, but you could get injured at training in a game, and it's all over. That's the nature of our sport, and so it's good to be thinking about what you might do afterwards, or or something you might partake in. So hence we got into the coffee shops. The ex-wife, yeah. she yep. was she works 
in that industry made sense to leverage and we created that business. And it was something to think away from sport as well. But And then you get learnings from it. It's just a different experience, a lot of stuff which then you can apply to, to being in, in your sporting team. I thought, I thought that was really, really important. But yeah, you're kind of right, mate. You, actually, you I, were actually I, encouraged to think about what are you going to be doing afterwards. It's really, really important. I remember... Um we were pretty close to all the Waratah boys at the time, sort of thing. And I never forget uh, one of the lads um, couldn't make a captain's run because he had an exam on, you know, and went up to the, you know. But no, but no and, that, and that was very, you know, acceptable from the Tars. And I thought, imagine going to Ricky Stewart and saying, mate. <laughs> calculus. I've got to go and do an exam tomorrow, mate. What might not make tomorrow's bus ride? He'd just say, fucking get out of here. <laughs> Fuck that off. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't think it was accepted in rugby league to sort of have those conversations, but particularly with Ricky. Now, Rugby league, rugby union. Is rugby fucked, George? No, 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 no. It's not, it's kind of, it's not in its healthiest state. It seems to be in a really bad way. It's not in its healthiest state. It's not old yellow. Like, it's yeah. not going to get put down yet. Yeah. But it's sort of, it's it's struggling. Yeah. It is. But then, I was in the UK earlier this year, and it's thriving over there in the northern, like, the French, yeah. like, like 80,000 there, there's like 60,000 at Viva Stadium with the Irish band, Camaran Ireland, and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's just full. Like, Scotland, it's just going nuts in the Northern Hemisphere. Rugby World Cups over there. Whereas here, it's always been a competitive landscape here. Like, I, I have heard, I don't get too caught up in all the political and the whole yeah. of stuff, but hey, we're not, we're, I'm not saying we're not, the period that I was playing, Rico was playing. Pretty good players yep. playing at the Roosters. Pretty bloody good kangaroo team. Great. Like, you. Andrew Johns, incredible period. AFL, there were guys called like James Hurd, a guy called Michael Voss, who's now captain, uh, coaching Carlton. The pretty handy AFL teams being played. So it was a super competitive environment. We all existed, and we we still attracted people to come and watch us play. And we've lost it. Rugby doesn't doesn't attract it the same level um, for a period of time. I think success does help. I think winning does matter. Like as much as people say, it's not about winning and all this sort of stuff. And you can talk about it. I'll give you a tip in professional sport. It's all about winning, of course and about winning. and it's and, and we haven't done that consistently for a while. So people, there's true believers in our game, but they, they want to see a bit of they want to see a bit of success. They want to they want to pull it out and think, you know what? I want to I really want to back these teams. Not just national, but it's it's also domestically, and I think that's a that's a piece which I think you're always going to have those latent supporters who just they want to they want to get there and support it. But you've got to give them a reason why. We've just missed the boat on that, and I think there's an attachment too with the grassroots. Everyone's got to feel part of it. And I don't think that's been the case with our game. We could, we've, we've lost, we lost that, we lost that connection. Look, if you're on the, if you're on the board of the rugby union, what would you do right now to fix their game? Oh. <laughs> um, well, back to that conversation. I think the big thing, what the league's done really well, is. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've sort of gone with the times, we've changed some rules and we've made it a really entertaining sort of game, right? So there's all those athletes that can sort of show their full potential out in the, out in the game. And I think the big thing also they've done really well is that tribalism, right? So they've really hit home um, on tribalism, not only at club level, but obviously at state level, state of origin. But, um, you know, like, um, like I can't stand South Sydney. Any South Sydney supporters here? Out you get. Um, but it's great, right? Because because they've still created that hatred and there's and there's genuine hatred between roosters and rabbitos and dragons. I mean, I'm hearing sharks. All of it. Everyone, right? So it's, but, but, it's, but it's genuine amongst supporters and, uh, and also on the team, right? And that's how they promote it. And I think they've done a really good job doing that. Um, and I'm hearing some great stories up there with uh, the new franchise, the Dolphins, right? So Wayne Bennett's got up there to create this new um, brand. 
mate, they're kicking off next year and they haven't got a fucking no. team, right? It's Which is really interesting. Redcliffe, right? So, but what he's done apparently, Wayne Bennett's gone there and pinched a couple of really major key staff from, out of the Broncos. And the Broncos were playing, you know, we'll help you and assist you because, you know, yeah. Rugby league in, in, in Queensland's good. Uh, now they've cut him off because he's been doing some nasty things with a couple of. Uh, so there's the, 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 the drama. Anyone? Nothing like that. No. I think so. A bit of that stuff. But um, but but the hatred up there, right, is going to create this really great uh, uh, drama up there in Queensland. So once again, rugby league. Um, I think it's built on hate a lot, which is re- I think it works, and that tribalism and hatred. And that's why it's so good. So in rugby, I don't know. You got to find the hate each other well it's a good point that's in rugby that's that's just that's the tradition and there's that rivalry and there's that club that's who you pick and stick who your club is you know if you live in the shire it's it's the dragons it's the dragons or it's it's literally the sharks i was down in victoria a couple weeks ago for the easter weekend it was carlton playing port port adelaide they had a few and there's 40,000 people on like Easter long weekend people aren't necessarily going to be they're going to go away 40,000 at the G 15 teeth (laughs) (laughs) pretty good they weren't Welsh they weren't Welsh actually was was, 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 was that a South Sydney game or or? and and they were just into it and it's just into it and there's generational of just people just 100% behind their team and you love that and then on the weekend that which is great that's one thing here I'm plugging AFL but it is a great sport in terms of going to the G that Essendon versus Collingwood on Anzac Day yeah, 90,000 people yep. it'll be quiet and they've created this event too I think that's the thing and like the, the Roosters when you play the Rabbitohs that's an event that's yeah, totally. but yep. they'll have the whole crowd quiet the wind's blowing outside you'll hear the flagpole rag you'll hear it then they do the last post then the crowd gets into it it's just that's what AFL do really well that is the national game it really is now I want to change tack just quickly because um George, you mentioned, um, well, George is in love again, which is great, with lovely Kaz. And um, I wanna, what's it like, you know, you're back in love and back in the dating scene there for a while. What, what, what was your tactic? No, it was you, no dating. Young African boy, you just take, take your gear off and with a glass of peanut. What, what do you do? <laughs> uh, we, can, 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 we, can we see that right now? Or? <laughs> no, it was what, Rugby World Cup, actually, which yeah. is fantastic, mate. And um, rugby, Thanks, which Shane. is... <laughs> Thanks, Shana. <laughs> so I want to chat. Cause, cause she's a lovely happy. girl, mate. No, she's been fantastic. And, yeah, obviously not the only one who's had difficulties in their life over time. So, yep. yeah, have gone th- come through a divorce and going through that stuff now and making sure the number one priority of all that is always your family, isn't it? So I've got all three kids through school. Um, they're, they're well and truly on their path, which is awesome. Yeah, and I've repartnered, which is fantastic. But, um, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite that way, Shano. Now, now I'll, ask, I'll ask you both. Um, I'll ask you first, uh, Rico. What, what's, a, what's a perfect day these days for, for Luke Rickardson? What's a, what's a perfect afternoon? A perfect afternoon? Yeah. Oh, look, I'd love to think that I could go and catch up with a few mates and have a beer and, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that would be good. O'Brien, um, O'Brien beer, yep. Beautiful. I've got some... You know, barbecue, you barbecue man. What would you do? Like, I'm coming around as a Rick. No, 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 no. If you gave us a start, like, kind of. No, I'm not quite sure, George. Um, but um, only if you come around in a robe or something, I don't think underneath. I've got obviously a wife and two daughters, right? So, um, they don't like watching sport. Um, I need a man cave. So, yeah, so I look like it would be great. I'm pretty sure you could find one in that. (laughs) We might, we might put one in. And as you can imagine, I didn't actually buy that. But, um, um, but, um, just say yes, Luke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just accept it. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
Yeah, no, so girls, mate. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm, I crave boy time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And George, what's the after for you anything, now, mate? Anything. Oh, mate, I think... Down the nets. <laughs> going down the nets, just trying to get it off the square, to just extend, get that reverse nine. A right, little, little coffee in the morning. It's, oh, to me, like, I think, if I reframe that, what would be your last meal? I'm not being fatalistic, but okay. I, I'm right. going to go that path. Yep. I, I, I love my food. I had three years in Japan, and Jap- Japan food, Japanese food's amazing. You have the best French, Italian, whatever is in that part of the world. But in terms of me, I reckon an incredible, I feel it. Yep. Like really good quality chips, like fries, French yep. style. Bernays nice sauce. salad. No, no, no. Just a little bit of French butter. Wow. And then I'm washing that down with a really nice bottle of, oh, yeah, it would be a bottle. It's your last meal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be it's gonna be like a burgundy slash peanut, one of my Aussies. I'll, I'll just, it'll be just, that's that's it. And and what I want to be sharing, that was, I want to be sharing that with good people. That's the sort of meal I want to share with good people. But if it's my last meal, then that's what I'll be doing. But Shane, I want you around. I want you to be oh, part of it. Well, there. I love you too, George. Rico, I'd love oh, you there. Well, that was a good example of league and rugby, right? That was just like <laughs> that's just that's just steak fritz. That's just steak fritz. A bit of wine, like it's not too complicated. Yeah, and, no, it's good. And how, you just win. Everyone loves that. Well, so how much you're vegan? Well, well, that's a big part of lunch with Lee. I thought, how can I work out how I can go to lunch and uh, make a business of it? And I think I've done that. But um, <laughs> the last question I always ask everyone, and I ask you first, Rico, um, a young boy or girl wants to play rugby league. What advice would you give them? Go see Nick Clark. No. Um, <laughs> it depends how good you are. No, you've got you to you you apply yourself, right? It's a very committed sport. Um, just improve in all areas, right? You've just got to be... Um, um, athleticism is probably the big thing that comes to mind. So I think um, all the, the guys and girls playing rugby league at the moment are just super athletic. So yeah. if you don't have a good engine, I think go and find one. <laughs> and okay. um, get fit and get really super fit and go and perform. George, and a young boy or girl wants to play rugby union, what advice? Pretty similar in terms of you just got to work hard. There's no, everyone says, what's the secret? There's no secret sauce. It's, you just got to work really, really hard. And just... You can always work on your skills. Just skill up. Just keep developing your skills. Like if you're really good right, right to left, be really good left to right. If you're really good right foot kicker, then work on your left. Just whatever you're not good at, get better at it. And then all of a sudden you just, you just increase your armory. And it's fun. Mate, and it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. Well, today was fun. I really appreciate you both coming on. You're both good mates. And I know um, taking time out is never easy, so I really do appreciate that. I want to thank um, our sponsors, O'Brien Beer and the Osher Group, for today. And everyone here, we're going to have a good time now. The, the microphones are turned off. Thanks to Timmy Gilbert. Genius, afternoon sport, Timmy. Yeah. And um, he's having a pie right and, now. Uh, isn't he? we're have a, he's having a pie. But uh, thanks, thanks guys for coming. And uh, that's it for lunch with Lee. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks, That's it for lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guest Luke Rickardson and Georgie Gregan. Thanks to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her out on Instagram, Felicity Kelly Portraits. And big thank you once again to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back next time, probably at District Brasserie here, for another fantastic lunch with some more legends, talk about sport, music and business on another episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. (laughs) 